The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk Podcast. Once again, Jordan Hall, Katie Emmer. Jordan, it was also a special day for you. How was your birthday? It was great. And uh, my birthday being June 21st has occasionally fallen on Father's Day as well, depending on the year. And I always love when it does because it just makes for a fun kind of double celebration of Father's Day and then also a birthday. So it was great. Really enjoyed it. A great birthday present for you, of course, is to be talking about some hockey getting back into action. It has been now for about, um, what, the second week today. Uh, phase two of, you know, teams returning to their training facilities started up. Phase three, hopefully going to be starting July 10th with uh, teams getting in their respective uh, formal training camps, getting together. But I want to focus on this wonderful phase two. And I say wonderful because we can see players, Jordan, finally getting back to practicing, finally getting to skating. Um, and today, what a sight for sore eyes, seeing Carter Hart back out on the ice. Katie, that was great. It really was. And it, it was nice to see, especially in the aftermath of obviously Friday not being a particularly good day in sports in terms of hope of them returning. Obviously, the Lightning had a, you know, maybe what we could call a mini outbreak with three players and five overall uh, team members testing positive. And then the NHL announced Friday night that 11 overall NHL players have tested positive uh, and that the league will continue to release those updates. They will continue to test. Um, the league doesn't sound overly concerned. I think it's something maybe they expected, Katie, that, uh, you know, with all these players eventually coming back to practice facilities, like you're going to have some positive tests and you, you just hope that it, you know, it's not a major outbreak and that everyone recovers, uh, safely um but it was nice to see carter hall on the ice because i think a lot of there was a lot of concern i think friday uh within the hockey world that uh gosh is this a setback uh is this worrisome does this make july 10 in doubt does it make the start or the resumption of play in doubt uh but it was nice to see carter hart out there and it looks like things are going on as planned for the flyers Katie, when you saw the news come out friday of the lightning and then the nhl announcing the 11 players did that kind of take a step back for you? Did it make you think, gosh, I don't know if this is going to happen? Or did you think, hey, you know what? This could be par for the course and the NHL is going to push forward and, and you know, still shoot for July 10th for the start of training camp? Well, right. I mean, uh, yeah, two things there. It's like, I will say initially before all of this even started, we know this is a global pandemic going on and it's intense. Like it's not anything to mess with. But for me, just 
with life and with sports in general, I've been very like, try not to get my hopes up, try not to get my hopes up on that date. We can get back into Wells Fargo center for you and I to, you know, work together again at our respective desks and, and hang out in the content room and just see people again, maybe even just giving hugs again. Yeah. Um, but as far as hockey goes too, that, that same thing goes with it. Like I didn't want to get my hopes up. I saw phase two. I know fans too. You're, you're excited. And that word excited, I've been using a lot when I'm describing anything um, with, you know, things coming about these plans put in place for, you know, potentially a playoff format to come here. Um, but anyway, like with that being said, I, I have been just sort of preparing for something like this because I'm the type two, Jordan, you know, like the news is important, but I try as much to just not look at it um, as, you know, with the coronavirus cases. I don't like it, it's hard to, to um, really keep up with it every single day for me. Like, you know, I'm a positive person and, and uh, yeah, it's just not fun to, to keep up with it too much. But with that, I have heard so much about this second wind coming like, oh, there's a second wind and you want to be careful always. But, you know, any sort of reports like that, you kind of just have that in the back of your mind. Like, what if this just doesn't work out? Um, but yeah, seeing Tampa Bay come out like that, it, it too, initially, I was like thinking, you know what? I mean, from here, we see Tampa Bay, they shut down their training facility. Okay, are other teams going to do the same? And I was kind of just jumping forward, like, does this just get canceled? I mean, how many cases do, does it reach before this gets canceled? But you're right. Like, in a way, it's so hard to just say this, but you kind of expect, like, players are going to get or, – or, like, you kind of – I mean, with that, too, as the weekend went on, I was saying um, – I forgot who it was on Twitter, but he had a great point. He said the NHL has made all of these plans, Jordan. They've, they've been planning this from top to bottom, and this was a part of the plan. Like having players test positive was a part of their plans. Like they're not just, they weren't prepared for, you know, members of a team to just start testing positive. Like they have been on this, they have been ready to rock. Like if something's going down um, and I hope right now, you know, on this Monday, um, you know, those players, those respective members too of that team um, continue to get better, um, stay safe. But you, you have to just remember that, you know, it's that safety net. Like, okay, I, I, I completely trust the NHL as far as taking this seriously. You, you know, they want to see, you know, that, that 2014 playoff format happen and just Stanley cup playoffs happen in general. So yeah, initial thoughts completely changed. I think as the weekend went on, cause no one likes to see that. I mean, even with the Phillies who wants to see a report like that. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, as I really started to think about it, it's like, you know, the NHL is ready for something like this. I mean, wouldn't you think too, it's like, of course they were thinking maybe this would happen. I agree, Katie. Like you said, you hate to see it. You don't want to see a team have multiple uh, positive cases. You don't want to see anyone, obviously, um, getting the coronavirus. Uh, but I think you're right. I think this is what the NHL prepared for. I don't think they thought they were going to go through this with 24 teams uh, without any positive cases. Uh, the virus is still, still very much out there. Um, it's... Um, it's not going away. Uh, so I think this is why they were prepared. This is why they were going to be testing uh, very frequently. And it's why they had a very, very strict protocol about when a player or a member tests positive, what they do um, afterward. Um, so when you see 11 members or 11 players, excuse me, 11 players in the NHL test positive, Sure, it's a little alarming. It catches your eye. I think the initial reaction is, pa is, is panic when you first see it. Um, but in the grand scheme, I think that's something the NHL was very, very prepared for. And if there's 
any hope uh, hanging out there for fans that are thinking, man, this, is, this just won't happen? I think two things to consider uh, for when they do get to the 2014 tournament. The, the, for what they're going to do in terms of self-isolation with these teams will be much stricter. Right now, you know, these players are living at home, going to the facility. They, they don't have any strict guidelines for these players can't do this or that. Um, they're going to be around more people. So when the league hopefully gets to that 2014 tournament, the quarantine and self-isolation situation will be much tighter in terms of these teams will be together and they will not be around anyone else. And that is a little daunting for the players and the staff members. I, you know, I feel bad that they have to kind of go through a situation like that, but that will be the case. So I think the NHL will be much tighter in terms of knowing where everyone is. And, and hopefully that can uh, keep uh, things much uh, safer in terms of possible spreads of the coronavirus. Yeah. And then two, the testing will be much, much, much more frequent. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Bob Daly told our Michael Barkan in late May that uh, players will be tested every single time they go back to their room. Um, whereas right now it's a little looser. It's about, I think, every two to three, maybe four days, I believe. Um, so it's not as frequent and the restrictions are a little looser right now in terms of knowing where the players are, um, staff members and so on. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the NHL, again, long story short, I think the NHL was expecting to see some positive cases. Is it a little worrisome? Sure. No one wants to see that, but as long as it doesn't have, um, drastic impacts of a massive outbreak where a whole team, you know, is getting it or you know, yeah. anything of that type of magnitude. Yeah, you can, okay. you can plan on maybe the, the few positive cases. And you know what, too, just to elaborate with Jordan and I, like we're not just like planning that guys are just going to keep getting sick, but I think it's just in the back of your mind like it is a possibility. And, you know, I would believe that fans understand that. Um, unfortunately, it was, again, in Tampa Bay. Uh, and just hoping players continue to, to stay safe here. But, yeah, a big thing is you're like you said, Jordan. We're hoping that this doesn't get even worse. Like you're you're maybe planning on, you know, A, B, C, D happening, but it's like how far can you get down the alphabet that you like didn't plan, you know, until you didn't plan for. So hopefully, um, you know, all of us in this great country, hopefully, you know, this doesn't get worse and things that we think are getting better. Get, you know what? But we're not going to think that way. It is, uh, you know, good news right now. NHL is playing. Um, Flyers are still at their practice facility. Jordan, you and I both know the NHL and NHLPA. They've been busy um, figuring out, you know, what's going to work here for the players. Um, and a big thing that came out with Gary Bettman's announcement about the 2014 playoff format, another part of that is the two hub cities that they're planning to play in. Um, so other news coming out, too, they had 10 cities that they were thinking about. It's now down to six, Jordan. So, of course, they eliminated um, four over the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see what those two hub cities end up being. Yeah, it really will. And I think it's starting to pick up for the NHL. I think this is a big week for the NHL. Um, just given, obviously, everyone will be keeping close tabs on the entire situation in terms of the coronavirus cases within the league, uh, and rightfully so. And then they have some big decisions in terms of uh, which hub cities they'll be picking, Katie, like you said. Um, so they need to still find those two hub cities. And then they really got to gear up for that phase four protocol even the phase three, I know there's still some decisions on terms of um, how exactly training camps will be held, uh, how many weeks, and then phase four is obviously the big one, the, the resumption of play and the exact protocol for how that will unfold. But we are still in phase two, Katie, 
which is voluntary small group workouts at team practice facilities. And we saw Carter Hart there today arriving uh, at Skate Zone in Voorhees, New Jersey. It was nice to see the team's number one goalie there on the ice. And we got the chance to hear from him and what he's been up to. Let's get into that interview with Zach Hill, Flyers Senior Director of Public Relations and Communications. Carter, first of all, this is your first day back, correct? How did it feel? It was great. It felt great to get back out there. Um, it's nice to see some of the boys are here. Um, and just to get back out on the ice and feel the ice again. I mean, I didn't have much uh, for ice back home. Um, so it's nice to get back out here and get into a rhythm here and, and uh, see some of the guys. So was this the first time you were able to face some shots during the pause or you had a couple other times? I had a couple times, but um, not very often, like maybe four times before I left there, but um, it's probably been the longest I've been off the ice ever in my whole life, being three months, I think, when I was skating, so that's that's a pretty long time, but I know the first time you get out there and you just get on the ice again, you just skate around, it's a pretty good feeling. Cool. Um, how difficult do you think it will be to get back the momentum back that the team had uh, when the pause came up? Do you think it'll be difficult, and especially as a goaltender, will that be difficult to get the rhythm back? I don't know. I mean, I think it's important that when we get our, our camp rolling here July 10th that we come in and everybody's ready to go. And I mean, we'll use those two, whatever they give us, two or three weeks to, to get ready. And then I think I believe maybe one exhibition game or however it's going to go um, to get ourselves prepared. And I mean, I know we have the right group here that um, that'll be ready to go uh, whenever that is, whatever date they tell us to, that we're going to play. So um, no, we have the right group here that, that, uh, I'm sure everyone was staying ready this whole time, and uh, when we do get the nod to go and play, wherever that may be, that we'll be ready. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. That was Flyers' number one goalie, Carter Hart, the 21-year-old. He'll be playing in his first postseason, uh, so a lot of excitement around that, uh, and it's always good to hear from Carter Hart. Uh, Katie, one thing that really stuck out to me was that he said this was the longest he had ever gone without skating his entire life. Uh, not, you know, from a certain level or the most he's gone as a pro, his entire life. And to me, that was really telling. I think it really provides a glimpse of how challenging this is for players. Um, these guys, you know, NHL players have probably played hockey their entire lives going back to when they were kids. And I don't think any of them could say they've gone three months without skating. Uh, I think that's a massive challenge. Obviously, for a goalie, it's a little different. But w what stuck out to you about that Carter Hart interview? I, I just thought three months really caught my eye. Yeah. No, that, that did for me, too. Uh, Carter Hart, again, he's a player that, you know, being home, we caught – Taryn Hatcher caught up with him early in this NHL pause. He's back at home. That's always a good thing, too. You can have that little refresher. But – um, it certainly carries on and three months is far too long um, for any sort of player on the ice. But I think even when you're thinking about taking shots, you said maybe four times he was taking shots during this pause. I mean, you're being on the, you're on the ice. Now you're taking shots against um, that's huge, obviously. And you know what this phase two, it's voluntary, voluntary team workouts um, or player workouts to return to your training facilities. You can imagine a lot of these guys are going to be heading back. Um, and obviously it's a good thing to see Carter Hart, like these players, you know, they want to succeed and, you know, they want to help their team. They want to be um, game shape. And I, I would imagine a lot of them are eager to get back out there, a goaltender being one of them. Um, but just going back to talking about him being home and, and really just staying in shape, this is a player that 
Um, again, injuries, it's sort of the same thing. It's not three months long, but a player that when he was injured, like his mental state and his um, just confidence, but also like calmness about him. Like we've talked so much about how this 21 year old is so mature beyond his years. Um, and, and just having Boucher and having different guys on this podcast to just reassure us of that, that he is such a unique player within um, how he carries himself and just how he carries himself on the ice. So, um, you know, for fans out there that may have some concern about hearing that, Jordan, I, I couldn't imagine because this is such a thing for every player. I mean, so many players that haven't skated in three months and, and haven't done this in the longest time they have in their life. And again, Carter Hart, a young life for him in comparison to older players. But this certainly three months is far too long for any player in the league, however many years you've played. Um, if we're looking in the long term of things, well, here, I'll focus on this. The playoffs, I'm not concerned one bit. Carter, I'll say it again. He is a player that can be ready. I, I believe it. I know he's never played in the playoffs. I believe it. He, is, uh, he would be a player that would be ready. Um, and, you know, looking in the long term of things, Jordan, you know, a lot of players are going to be within this, younger players in the league. But this is a good thing for Carter Hart. Think about, like, facing this adversity this early in your career. You're trying to overcome something like this, and, and so many players are. But I think uh, if you're looking at the long term of things, like what he's going to – what he's learned throughout this break, but also what he's going to learn um, getting back out on the ice right now, starting today and throughout the remainder of, you know, this phase two going into phase three, um, I, I think it's a good thing. But, yeah, the biggest concern we might have is the, the home and away splits for Carter. But – Jordan, when there's no fans that are going to be, you know, in the stands for these playoff games, is that concern even going to be there anymore? Yeah, I don't think so, Katie. For, for me, I just don't really worry about Carter Hart with the whole home and road thing. Um, I think it's awesome that he was great at home and fed off fans, but he's such a focused and driven individual uh, that he takes his job so seriously for 21 years old. Oh, yeah. um, as we know, Katie, and we've seen him day to day. So I think when he gets into this, he's going to be really, really focused. He's going to be serious about it. He's going to have a, you know, a, a real specific game plan that he's going to go about. So I don't worry about him that much in that, in that sense. But one thing I will say that I, I do worry, not just about Carter Hart, but really everyone in, in, in this tournament, not just the Flyers, but every player I've talked to uh, in the past when they're out a period of time, they can do as much as they can in terms of staying in shape and skating keeping their conditioning. And they do. They do do a very good job of that. But they always say it's so hard to simulate game shape. And I really believe that. I think once you get in the game, you realize, well, no matter what I did to stay in shape from a cardio aspect or a muscular aspect, when you get in the game, it's just different. It's just different. There's a game shape to it. And I think that's what's really going to show. And I think that's the biggest challenge is these guys are going from an unprecedented time off where they didn't have the certain things at their, at their fingertips to do in terms of working out. And then they're going to be pretty much jumping into really big games. We don't know if there's going to be maybe an exhibition game or two, but for the most part, these games, they'll get right into it. And that's where my overall concern is. It's just these players having game shape. I think there's going to be an element of rust. Uh, there's going to be a, an element of transitional phase in, for these guys. Um, but in terms of Carter Hart and his focus level and adjusting to no fans, I, I don't really worry about him that much uh, in that regard, Katie. And I, I think a lot of people would agree with that, don't you think? 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, hey, we don't have to second guess this uh, passionate fan base. We know how much they stand behind, you know, the leader, Claude Giroux, but also Carter Hart. Uh, a lot of uh, confidence riding on him. Um, maybe some uncertainty comes with that too, and that would have come, you know, regularly without this NHL pause, a, a young guy. His first full season, his first 82-game schedule, you know, at the beginning of all of this. And now looking uh, where we are right now, like this is just even more adversity. I don't care if you're Carey Price. Like this is still tough for any guy that has to stand between the pipes and has to just get ready for playoff hockey, a whole different animal in comparison to the regular season. Um, but like I said, I'll stand behind it again. I think this is a great thing for Carter Hart. I think this is fantastic when you look at the longer – you know, plan of him in a Flyers uniform um, and just what he's going to learn here and what he's, how he's going to grow. This might be, so, you know, something great here. And we, we don't even know it yet, but certainly you just love to see players get, getting back out on the ice. And I think Carter Hart, of course, this is one of the biggest sparks I've seen. You know, you love to see Farabee, you love to see Ivan Prograb, of course, Couturier, but seeing Carter Hart getting back out there and especially knowing this is the longest span he hasn't skated in, um, it makes me feel good. It makes me, you know, excited. And, you know, for fans too, I think they should share that same feeling. Absolutely, Katie. And one thing we know for sure is these games will be memorable. People will remember them for how different and, and the times that we're in. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, and, and thinking of games that are memorable, especially because of the fans aspect, was the Flyers-Penguins five-overtime game, 2000. Uh, it's a game everyone knows about because it was just so epic and it was crazy how long it was. And Katie, you and I have had the pleasure of talking to many people that, have, that were in that game or experienced that game in some, in some shape or form. Uh, and we cannot wait, and we hope fans are excited, for an entire podcast, uh, Sports Uncovered, the Marathon on Ice, will be released on Thursday. And it's an entire thorough, detailed podcast with so many – former players, personalities that lived during that, lived that game, the Flyers-Penguins 2000 overtime game. Uh, we hope you're excited for it. It will be released Thursday morning. Um, and Katie, it kind of had us thinking, one, I know I can't wait for that podcast because um, we know a lot of the people in it and the people that produced it. But Katie had us kind of thinking, um, long games. That was a long one. 
Uh, we've had some fun, crazy long games in sports. What was one that was kind of personal for you that you can recall um, that made you kind of tie it to this five overtime game? Yeah, well, um, you know, it's no secret that I grew up in Minnesota, Jordan. Um, and last year I was working with Fox Sports North in Minneapolis. So the Twins were obviously a team that I was um, covering. And last season this actually happened where, you know, you talk about – and again, there is nothing – we both love hockey. I would say hockey is my number one. Um, and, you know, an exciting five-overtime game thriller. There is nothing that could compare to that. And I'm sure for fans out there – I do love when we re-aired this game and I posted a tweet and so many people, so many passionate fans had so many great stories. A lot of stories about, you know, I, I was so tired at work the next day. I didn't sleep at all. Or I like went to bed and woke back up and I, the game was still on. Um, it's so many great memories. You love to hear them. And this is such a game that uh, it's really fun to, uh, to just know more about just again, learning from fans on, you know, the celebration of that night. But that being said, a different sport like, you know, I just mentioned baseball is going to be this one where last season the Twins actually had two games like this, Jordan. Um, and it was the longest game, first off, in uh, Target Field history, which is the newer um, uh, baseball stadium in Minneapolis. Um, but the it was – I had to look up the date again here, but June 18th, uh, Boston was in town. This game went to 17 innings. 17, 17 the longest games ever I mean you're just you're prepared like you're there it's the ninth okay 10th okay 11th like you can do that maybe even 13th but this game went to 17 innings um and it, it was obviously just a, a huge game uh twins won that one and I'm looking now again because I just remember this whole sequence of events the twins set that that record for target field but yeah. then on June what was it June 27th the Rays were in town and they went to 18 innings. So it's like this just, it was a crazy phenomenon to see all this happen. Um, I remember that um, Rays game too. I was watching it. Um, I wasn't at the park that night, but I just, I couldn't believe how late it was getting. It, you know, before you know it, you're in the early hours of the morning, still doing a baseball game. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I, I just feel like, of course, you want to see your team win in a situation like that. But, you know, anyway, if you get any extra inning baseball, I don't know how people feel about this, actually. But for me, if you can get extra sports, extra time, and, you know, especially if you're there. I think if you're there, maybe you're tired, but I think it also is like, yes, like I got my ROI. I got my return on investment on this game, on my ticket right now. Like I am getting almost two baseball games out of one. Um, but, yeah, all really exciting. I, I know that was too, Jordan. You asked me if I had one. How to give you two? Because that's something you don't see every day is a 17-inning baseball game followed by an 18 inning baseball game um what's yours do you have a baseball game too or, or what was the longest game in your history that is just a, gr a great memory well one katie that is awesome i'm sure that second one everyone was probably thinking like as it went okay. to extra innings everyone was probably like well that's not going to happen again and then what do you know uh 18 they actually topped it <laughs> um i'm sure the flyers and penguins <laughs> yeah. are thinking the same thing like please no more overtime games in this series <laughs> Um, and like you said, oh what makes it super or they're just getting stocked up on pizza. You know, they're ready. Like they have pizza on speed dial, like any sort of yeah. food that they would need or, or any sort of liquids, you know, that's all I can think of. They have the plan in place. Exactly. And what probably made it so memorable, obviously for the flyers and then obviously their fan base was that they, they came out on top, they won. Um, and now it's forever remembered. And I think even, you know, some of the folks that we've spoken to players, uh, former media, media members, they all love that 
night. They remember it because, yes, it was crazy. And at, during the time, you're probably like, when is this going to end? But now uh, it's, it's forever memorable and you'll, you'll never forget it, just like the games that you had. Uh, for me, mine was also uh, – it was also a baseball game um, that I'll never forget. It was 2013. It was a Phillies-Diamondbacks game at Citizens Bank Park. And at the time, I was actually freelancing for a company called the Sports Exchange. So I was covering the game, uh, and I was also a part-time web producer at NBC Sports Philadelphia. So I'm covering the game. The game ended up, uh, ended up going 18 innings. It lasted seven hours and six minutes. Wow. It ended after 2 a.m., and it was a Saturday night. And what made it even crazier but also even more fun was the Phillies had a home game the next day at 135. And I actually happened to be covering that game for NBC Sports Philadelphia. So as the game's going, I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm actually I'm covering Sunday's game uh, for NBC Sports Philadelphia. That game's at 135. And the clubhouse typically opens, you know, about three and a half hours before the game. So, you know, I, I got to probably be there around 10, 1030 a.m., what do you know? This game goes 18 innings, seven hours, six minutes. It ends after 2 a.m. The, the Phillies have two position players pitch, Casper Wells and John McDonald. They were two position players, both pitched that game. The Phillies lost. And what made it really fun for me was the very next day, Roy Holiday had just undergone sh uh, shoulder surgery. And he was set up to rehab in double-A Reading on that Sunday. But the problem was for the Phillies, their scheduled starting pitcher for that Sunday game at 135 was Tyler Cloyd. They were in such a bind with pitchers that Cloyd ended up coming into the game Saturday night. He pitched five innings, so he was not available on Sunday. So the Phillies were kind of in a tough situation. So what they had was Roy Holiday, instead of rehabbing at double-A Reading, they had him come up and just pitch. Uh, they probably knew he was going to be on a pitch count. They probably knew he would be probably about five to six innings if things go right. So he was healthy enough to go. So the exciting storyline was all of a sudden Sunday, not only are we coming off a seven-hour, uh, six-minute game, but Roy Holiday, you know, Cy Young, um, the guy that everyone loves, no-hitter, uh, perfect game, Phillies history, was making a very, very notable return. He actually comes back. And he won that game, uh, pitched six innings, pitched really well. And it was really exciting. And for me, it was a thrill. I was, Oh my God. I was still young. I, I graduated college in 2012. This was 2013. Um, and I had kind of grown up, you know, watching Roy Holiday and kind of idolizing him for me to be able to cover that game on top of a 18 inning game to me that I'm always going to remember that it was really fun. I was crazy tired. I don't even know how much I slept. But uh, I didn't care. I'll forever remember that. So for me, it was a baseball game. I love that. And uh, something I'll always remember, kind of like yours, for sure. Yeah, you know what, too, is like, is there any better job than what we can do? Like, of course, everybody's jobs, they're, they're all cool. And, you know, some days I'm just kind of like, oh, that'd be fun to do. But <laughs> truthfully, our jobs are, are so rewarding, you know, for the sports fans we both are. But for you, you know, too, to, to see that come full circle, like you grew up watching it and now you're just covering it. And that's just kind of how things work now. Um, too with just sports it's really fun for that like full circle moment where you turn from that fan but you always have that fan inside of you and then you turn to you know now covering it and trying to be neutral but you're also still a fan 
Um, but yeah, any, Hey, any 18 in, inning, uh, like you mentioned earlier, like any of that, that's funny. We both had one. I mean, I, I just feel like, yeah, if there's a loss at the end of it, you're like, Oh, come on. Like what, yeah. what? I mean, if you're the fan there, it's like, I said that too. Like you got your, your money on your uh, ticket that you bought, but Hey, if your team's not winning, there is kind of that whole, like, okay, when time is money, did I just like lose money because I spent all my time watching this game and they didn't win. But anyway, yeah, you, like stuff like that, you don't see every day. So it's just cool to be a part of it. Can you uh, think what what poor, a good one. The poor Penguins fans that night. I remember there was so many shots of the, of the crowd where a young Penguins fan was sleeping in their parents' arms or, you know, <laughs> yeah. a Pittsburgh fan was yawning and just like, yeah. and you know, this is playoffs. This is a rivalry game in the playoffs and to fall short in that, to stay there that entire time and then to fall short, it had to be so sweet for the Flyers and so painful for the Penguins. I think that's what makes it really even more special, like you said. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's always fun, too, to reflect on this. But, yeah, I'm thinking back to those highlights. It's, yeah. it's always fun to talk about this five-overtime game. Um, and I just feel like I'm always learning something. So I'm really excited to hear um, – this uh, podcast debut, make its debut here. Cause you know, fans, it's like, you know, so much, but you're always, you're always hearing something new. It's almost like, like the behind the scenes story. So many people were involved in this. So many players, broadcasters from top to bottom. Um, so yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, Katie. And uh, for, for the fans that are wondering, this is such a comprehensive look uh, at this game from so many different angles. Uh, it is incredibly worth it. Uh, I, I know you and I had already been talking. It's only, you know, this podcast is being recorded on Monday and we're already excited for it on Thursday. So keep yeah. an eye out for that, fans. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. But Katie, one last little bit of news uh, within the NHL uh, that kind of created a fun topic for us. Uh, fortunately for the Flyers, it does not really relate to them. Uh, but on Friday... Uh, will be phase one of the NHL lottery for the NHL draft, um, where we find out who will be receiving the number one pick, the number two pick, and so on. The Flyers are not up for the lottery whatsoever uh, because they had such a positive uh, season. But, Katie, kind of had us looking back at last year's uh, NHL draft class for the Flyers. Um, a very, it was the first class for Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair, the general manager and assistant general manager. It's their first one in Flyers history for them. Uh, and it was a very nice class, and it's got some exciting prospects. Katie, I wanted to ask, uh, just for fun, picking a prospect out of that class, which one are you, you kind of most excited about for next season? Hey, just for fun, hey? Well, there's so many different names, of course, like any of the first-rounders that you're going to look through. But, Jordan, I'm actually going with uh, someone that uh, – yeah, here we go, Minnesota. But this is a, a Minnesota player. It comes from a huge Minnesota family. Um, Bryce Brodzinski, he was drafted actually in the seventh round and you I might think, it. okay, like, you know, number one, 96, but I just feel like some of these guys have such potential to really make that splash. Like sometimes you're overlooked and, and whatever, I, I might have some fans that are like, come on, but I just feel like I could talk all day about, you know, any of those top or uh, higher up guys. I'm just excited about this guy. I mean, he comes again from this big family. Um, he has three other brothers that are currently playing. Um, well, Easton Brodzinski was at St. Cloud State. Um, but his two other brothers are currently playing pro. Um, his brother Johnny, too, which is the oldest, he was actually drafted in the fifth round by the Kings um, back in 2013, and he's even made quite a splash. I think he's in the minors, but it's just a team or players that um, come from this family. Uh, 
Bryce is a forward, like just the possibilities that they can make a splash, I think is there. Bryce is at um, University of Minnesota right now with the Gophers. He's a younger player. You're talking about having fun, and I'm just going to have fun and talk about this guy. Why not? I, I like the guys that are sort of overlooked, you know, like uh, whatever. You know, he's just, he's just there, and I, I would like to believe that, you know, the, the guys that didn't choose Bryce Brodzinski for no reason – um, just to maybe fill that that uh, that spot right there, but no, I think uh, he's an exciting player to keep watch for, and you may not know what could happen with this, and that is you know for fun. That is who I'm keeping my eye on. Why not, Kitty? I love that. No, seriously, that is an awesome one. Uh, I saw him at development camp last summer, and he really stood out. I had multiple video clips on my phone of him making impressive plays to the point where he was generating discussion among everyone of Hey, this. You know, this is a seven-round pick. This could be a nice little get for the Flyers. He's playing at Minnesota, like you said, and we got a chance to talk to him a little bit at development camp, and he was all smiles and said, big hockey family. His parents were really excited. So I love that. I think that's awesome and definitely a guy to watch. Minnesota, Big Ten hockey, keep an eye on Bryce Brzezinski for sure. Yeah, and I was just going to say one more. Like, he's the youngest of these four brothers, but I do feel like that talent is so there. I mentioned Johnny. But Bryce has got this uh, thing about him that he's just that guy that you just feel like you're going to maybe see some spark out of. And again, he's so young, but his vision and his, uh, he thinks the game well. He's always, you know, just he's got that smarts with it too that um, I think really helps him out. And, you know, from what we've seen maybe with the Gophers, looking at his numbers this season, um, shoot, we have to put a pause there because I, I, my computer froze. No but um, three, two, one. Just looking at what he's been able to do on um, his first year with the Gophers, you know, seven goals, five assists, not horrible, um, you know, for 12 points in your freshman year. You kind of expect to maybe see more, Jordan, but who's to say he's not going to be that valuable depth player down the stretch here? I mean, you, you never know. Um, and, you know, I, I know this isn't on the stat sheet, but he's a hard worker. This whole family, um, they come from such, you know, hard, uh, hard work ethic to, to make it up, uh, you know, successfully in, in hockey and, um he's the youngest he's been learning from his three older brothers that have you know all taken their own ways um playing hockey all division one hockey players so you know i'm excited to see what he's got yeah and katie one last thing before i pick a player uh to touch on that is you know an example of you know you never know especially with kids that go to college um the flyers know like they might go and they might stay four years and they could really develop into a great player Uh, an example that tanner lazinski uh, a prospect in the fire system. He was a six-round pick. Um, he spent four years at Ohio State, and he really developed into a player. He's well-groomed now, and he's going to flirt with um, getting some time with the Flyers next season. Um, he's, he's a center, and he's, well, and he's advanced now because he really spent four years at college, six-round pick, and he no longer looks like a six-round pick. So uh, definitely keep an eye on Bryce uh, Brzezinski. Uh, I, I love that pick. Um, for me, I'm going to go, and I'm not going to take the easy selection of Cam York, who, of course, was the Flyers' first-round pick in that draft. Uh, Cam York is super exciting. Keep, eye, keep an eye on him in, at Michigan next season. But I'm going to go with a guy I recently wrote about. His name's Mason Millman. Uh, he was the team's fourth-round pick last summer, and he was the third defenseman taken by the Flyers. But he's very long. He's a very fluid skater. He, he plays in the OHL for the uh, – for the spirit and a kid that has a lot of high upside. He's long, he's lanky, and he can really get up the ice. And he really kind of fits the Flyers mold of these skilled um, mobile puck movers. And Millman had a really good year last year. Um, I think he was a plus 31. 
and he had 40 plus points and he's young. He's going into his third OHL season next year. I think he'll be a point, a very close to a point per game guy um, on a very exciting team. So for me, Mason Millman, I would keep eyes on him flyers. I think he's a sleeper in the system, uh, especially on defense. So for me, it'll be Mason Millman. So a a lot of fun guys to watch. Yeah, I like that. And you know what? Like overall, it's all about having fun, but it also is good to just remember how good this Flyers depth has been this season, yeah. um, how much it's been so reliable too in hard times, you know, when the top guys aren't scoring, they would step up. And I feel like that being set and instilled this season is really going to carry on and maybe help again. You need that talent to keep filling in and keep helping out, expecting no injury, that kind of thing. And that's hard to, to see consistently happen, but you can only be excited about thinking different talent that could fill into this, uh, you know, big group of guys that is, really helped out um especially this season it can only go up from here and with that uh especially in the 2014 playoff format exciting stuff um in the future but right now in this season hopefully we see happen soon um the flyers uh looking to you know seat higher jordan but in the meantime we, we're not even to that point yet we can keep our fingers crossed but phase two is alive and well and hopefully everyone continues to stay healthy Absolutely, Katie. It's nice that we're not really talking about the Flyers in the lottery. Uh, It's nice that we're talking about this team potentially making a playoff run for if or when this season resumes. So we will have more of that discussion about this 2014 tournament and the Flyers outlook and everything you need to know about phase two and what's next uh, coming up on the very next Flyers Talk podcast. But for this time, uh, Katie Emmer, thank you so much as always. Great seeing you. Uh, I am Jordan Hall. Thank you to our uh, podcast producer, Ben Berry. Uh, This is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.